from Palma de Mallorca to the global super yacht community. Super Yacht Radio. Welcome to Super Yacht Radio. We have the pleasure today of catching up with Sarah Ballinger from Crewglue, who is here to join us today to tell us a lot more about team development and helping crew stick. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Maeve. Lovely to be here talking to you. Lovely to have you here. So before we get into Crewglue, because there's a lot to talk about there, um, can you step us back a little bit of where you came from and how this how where, this it all began. where it yeah, all began. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, it all began because um, I am one of six children. I'm the eldest of six. And growing up, I think I spent my life training my younger sisters. Um, so the train, the world of training kind of happened right from the very word go for me. You know, things like training them how to do the washing up and how to make their beds and then later how to put their makeup on, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I started very young. And it was as part of this big family that I first became really interested in why people are so different. You know, that whole nature-nurture theory. Mm. I was thinking it can't be nurture. It can't all be nurture because we're all so different in this family. But we have the same parents. We live in the same house. So I suppose before I knew what psychology and personality was, I already had an interest in it and how it affects our behavior. And that's kind of been the golden thread that's run through my career. Um, so when I started having proper jobs, like a grown up, I found myself constantly reverting to type and wanting to train people and show them how to do things and share information and understand how different people worked together. Um, and so at a later stage in my career, I started to um, really push to make that the job that I had. So I started putting myself in front of people in the learning and development departments of the businesses I worked in and saying, I want to be in training. I want to be in training. And, um, and one day I was very lucky to stand in front of a woman who is still amongst my best friends and say, I want to work in training. And she said, all right, then why don't we give you a go? Um, and in that business, which was in financial services, they paid for me to go to university and do an undergraduate degree in personnel and development, which was a good thing because I'm not really an academic learner. I'm more of a vocational learner. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't bother with the whole college university thing. I left home and started work at 16, um, but realized that I could learn on the job and that when I was learning on the job and the learning was relevant to my everyday life, you could apply it, it suddenly came it made sense. And as a result, I've now got a number of qualifications that I never would have believed I would have been able to achieve because I learned to learn in the right way for me. Um, and so it so began my career in, in learning development. Wow. And uh, the nurture nature debate, does that continue? Or have you resolved it? At, I mean, we've had this a number of times in our house because we have oh, yes. a big family Absolutely. and Dave is yeah. adopted. And uh -huh. so it is an interesting debate in our house of, and I have to agree with you, I, I, although I think both play a part, I believe nature can sometimes have the edge on things more than even nurture. That's absolutely my belief. So I um, and anybody who's attended any of our crew glue sessions and is listening to this will be going, yeah, she's going to go on about this again. But it's true. At the heart of us is our intrinsic self, the person that we would always have been whatever happened. And that is unchangeable. And there's even been a bit of science that proves that when somebody has total amnesia, they can remember nothing about their life they still have the same personality traits as long as a part of their brain hasn't been changed as a result of trauma, which can affect your personality. You are who you are. And of course, all the stuff that goes on around the edges of that, the nurture part is the stuff that informs some of our beliefs and some of our values. But we may not always hold those so, for example, you know, you hear that babies are not born racist. Babies are not born with prejudice. Babies are not born sexist. None of that stuff is in us when we're born, but we learn it. But sometimes it doesn't fit well with us because it doesn't really work with our base, you know, 
personality with who we are at heart so sometimes when people are in conflict within themselves it's because they're not being true to their real self the person that they are at heart it's fascinating and been my life's work um, and actually one of the one of the products that we use when we're teaching and training is called elements and it's about exactly that when you're in your element when you're true to yourself where does that strength come from such fun and so interesting and i think um very applicable you know I, I i i we've talked with a number of, of crew recruitments we've talked about mental health on the station we've looked at all different sides of it but the yachting industry is quite a unique industry to work in for many people because you are a a group of people on board all having certain roles but you are doing it 24 7 do you know you, you don't have that space that you walk away and you close your door and you can be the professional person on one side and then go home and be the domestic goddess, so to speak, on the other or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's where it must come into play a lot because a lot of how well you can do your job is also how well you can get on with other people. Having done boarding school, it was also a similar experience. How much you enjoyed mm. boarding school is how much you figured out how to get on with other people. Because if you didn't, <laughs> yeah. you were just kind of miserable and lonely, you know? Yeah, I totally get that. And actually taking this story forward a little way, when I really started to explore team dynamics and how people worked together in the way that you've just described, was when I went to do voluntary work in Tanzania. And I was in a camp in the middle of literally in the middle of nowhere where none of the locals spoke English. So I had to learn to speak Swahili very quickly, which I mm. still can, by the way. Not a terribly Damn. useful skill, but, you know, there you go. You, you take what you can. And there were 10 of us and we all lived, slept, ate, worked together. And I mean, we were in a tent. We were in a, an open ended tent in the middle of nowhere. So our beds were all next to each other, 10 of us. And you can hear everybody snoring and passing wind and talking in their sleep and all of that stuff going on. And it's and there is no escape, except, of course, we could wander off into the bush, but we may never have come back. So we didn't tend to do that. We had to stick together. And that was the first time that my ability to work with people really was tested because I couldn't just go home at the end of the day and escape into a gin and tonic or a good book. Um, and we did have some intense, intense relationships. One minute we all absolutely loved each other and the next minute we were at each other's throats. It was a real, it was a massive learning curve. Um, but I think that, you know, you can learn things theoretically and academically, but when you put them to the test in real life is when you really see what holds water. Mm. And I've tested these theories in real life on more than one occasion. So that, that I think, is um, an example of what you've just described. You take uh, a number of people and, you know, to the outside world, you're sailing around on this big, beautiful boat. Life is glorious. You've got a permanent suntan. Um, you earn lots of money and you're mixing with the rich and famous. The reality is, that below decks you're all squished together you're sharing rooms and there Bloody is hard no work. way to escape and no privacy the work is hard you're constantly on call and you never know what's around the corner and those sorts of high pressure and intense environments do require an enormous amount of resilience and self-awareness for sure and i think as well um it's one of the things i i had a chat recently with uh, Kareen Rayson from The Crew Coach. We were just catching up about mental health on board. And um, one of the things, uh, recently we've talked with the people from the Five Deeps project. You know, they were diving the mm. five deepest parts. Yeah. Just lovely men. Mm. One of the things I most admired in that discussion with them was Rob McCullen, who has EOS Expeditions. When I was asking what it was like on board, because they've been five months on this expedition, you know, diving, doing something totally new and different. And I was asking him what the relations are because they're in many ways more mature. And he said, one of the, the best things about this project is that everyone let go of their egos. Mm. So at the end of the day, everyone sat down together and, you know, if that didn't work, well, I'm sorry, I, I didn't realize that that wasn't gonna work. We're all doing something new. 
but they all met on a, a level basis, whether it was Patrick who, you know, built the Triton sub or Victor who is running the whole show and is the explorer or Rob or the deckhand or the chef. And I just thought that was one of the most admirable things I've heard from, this is a different kind of trip to a charter cruise, but it was the letting go of egos. And I think that has it's one of really the biggest challenges yeah. in some ways. So you um, you prompt a thought in my head, which is about the you know the the business of team dynamics, and when it works really really well, um, it works really well because the the team or the crew trust each other. And what you've just described is an example of that. You can't trust each other fully if there are agendas on the table which are solely owned. So. Um, for trust to exist in crew, leaving that ego behind is a really good idea. I remember doing um, g- doing a, um, a yoga retreat in India, and on the door frame they'd painted "Leave your flip flops and your ego here," and I really <laughs> loved that. <laughs> that was a really nice. I really could nice have that, thing. you know, as, as you come on leave board. Your flip flops <laughs> yeah. and, and your ego here, because it's absolutely true. And of course, we've all got our own agenda, and we've got ambitions and dreams and wishes for ourselves, and all of that stuff is perfectly valuable, and and entirely normal and human. It's recognizing when you put that aside for the benefit of the whole team and recognizing that actually if you do that, you will be the beneficiary as well. You won't be the victim of everybody working nicely together. How is that possible? You will all benefit. And ultimately, if you're all successful, you should all achieve your ambitions, your dreams and your hopes. And it's easier said than done. Let's be completely honest about this. When you've had endless back-to-back charters, you're absolutely up to your eyeballs, there've been all sorts of impossible demands, um, perhaps you haven't had enough sleep and you're just feeling run down. Talking about positive mental attitudes and mindsets and meditation and all the things <laughs> out the window. <laughs> and we, you know, we, we can talk about all of that stuff, but it's not always as simple as just adding, you know, applying a salve. Um, and and in some cases, you know, it's really about just developing the resilience to get you through to the place when you can escape for some for some time to yourself. Um, so I think that there are all me- there are many tactics and techniques for us to help have healthy self. Um, you mentioned the emotional well-being, health, uh, mental health awareness, and you know that we've all been working really hard. In, in there are various groups that are now working really hard on bringing this topic into um into the daylight you know rather than hiding it in a cupboard and i think that crew glue work on the sort of um proactive end of the scale essentially so crew glue is about giving people the tools techniques and strategies to help them cope when things do start to get really high pressure um and we and we know that when things really have gone a little further than that, then you need to speak to the qualified experts for for counselling or for um, independent assessment. But preparing yourself for tough, busy chartering and you know and not having enough sleep and and being stressed essentially or potentially um, is no bad thing. You know, prepare yourself and, and don't be under the illusion that it's all going to be easy breezy all the way through no but so in in essence i mean i from what i've I've read on your website and chatting with you this is really looking at and it's been common in other industries you know in, in banking in in business um having somebody come in as a mentor or as a team development or you know the team development weekends that you know a lot of companies do Mm-hmm. Has, has not been really commonplace, I don't think, in the yachting industry, unless you have an exceptional boat or a very cool captain. Mm-hmm. Um, even even uh, training for mental health awareness or personal relations or kind of tools that you would think are going to be very important yeah. are, are not commonplace yet in the industry. They're coming in. I mean, it yeah. was great to see there's some new courses coming in and there's some people doing it in, in small sides. But in essence, your focus is, is building the team up, isn't it? Yeah. 
It right is. from the, the captain it, to the deckhand. It's, it's not yeah. necessarily focused on one particular group on the yacht. No, it's the whole, the whole team, the whole team, the whole crew coming together to work together. It's that sense of family that means that you can have a row, but you get over it very quickly. Because the reality is we can't eradicate conflict, but we can learn how to manage it so that it doesn't become an issue. Um, and the point that you make about other businesses have been doing this as a matter of course is really interesting because I know a couple of who own the who own big boats and so own big businesses. And in their big businesses, having this sort of setting up the team for success stuff is common. And interesting then that in their on their own boats where they've got crew there might be no expectation of the same thing happening. So the fact that our boat, our yacht owners, our bosses, our owners are doing it in their businesses um, indicates that it's something that is makes sense that it happens on their boats too. But of course, the owners use their boats for their relaxation time. They don't want to be worrying about whether or not their team have had a team building um, have been through a team building process and they don't want to be worrying about whether their heads of department have been taught how to lead their team and maintain that team. Um, they just want to know that everybody's getting on with what needs to be gotten on with. So the captains and the yacht management companies, they're the people that we tend to talk to who say to us, right, this is where we are. Actually, we've got a great team. We're a relatively new boat. We've got um, a relatively new crew and it's all good, uh, but we want to make sure that it stays good. And we want to make sure that we're ready for all eventualities and that we have an unbroken service chain and there's no blame culture. And that as we move forward, we move forward strong and healthy. And that's what we do. So we step in and do that. And we also um, skill up the leaders, essentially the heads of department and the captain, so that they can maintain that because we can't be on board all the time. Mm. So, mm. you know, we don't just come in, stick a plaster on it and leave again. We make sure that it's sustainable by teaching the heads of department how to keep this stuff going throughout so throughout the season and keep the tools going yeah um because it i mean who who would be the first ones to reach out to you out of interest would it be the captains kind of coming in because they're experienced and and they've got i bring this up because one of the big topics that has come up this year has been about crew retention that yeah. it is increasingly difficult to retain yeah. crew. The uh -huh. other big topic that has come up, and I say this as a mother of a millennial and of a Generation Z, so to speak, mm -hmm. is looking at this younger generation coming yes. in. And yeah. there has been critiques of this younger generation of not having necessarily the same work ethic or... The same, you know, long haul, you just do the job and you get on and do it. Mm. On the flip side of that, particularly for this younger generation, one of the things I have read of the positives is if they're happy, if they feel like they're in somewhere that they're growing and learning and contributing, they're yeah. much more likely to be very loyal to that. Mm -hmm. They don't have the same sense as we did, you know, when we were starting our, okay, I've got to give it at least three years, hell or high water. They don't want to go necessarily through the hell because they believe that actually it should be good most of the time. Yeah. But if they can achieve that, if they can experience that, they do tend to be very loyal and stick with it. And that's I think right. that's where this comes in because this has been quite an issue um, of keeping the same crew. And, and once you lose a crew and you have someone new come in, then you've got a whole different dynamic. I mean, everyone knows that from even having house guests in your house. You know, you have somebody stay for two weeks. <laughs> so doesn't true. matter how much you love them. <laughs> you know, after two weeks, it's trying to adjust to someone else. And anyone who shared a house during university, I mean... Yeah. The people you can live with are not necessarily the same as your best friends. No. Um, so those dynamics are really a big part of what will contribute to a good team. It's absolutely true. It's so interesting. It, you know, it takes me back to the fact that me and my sisters are all so different. And my mum just has a horrible nightmare every time we get together as a whole family, because despite us all being professionals in various different, my sister is a doctor of geology. I've got, uh, you know, I'm a business owner and a trainer and a facilitator. My other sister is a counsellor. We've all got 
proper, proper jobs. But when we get together, we revert to four-year-old mm. type and all yep. starts bubbling. And yep. I don't think yeah, and that never stops. And that's because in that safe environment of family, you can be who you are without worrying that somebody's going to stop loving you. And that's what we try to, in, that's exactly what we're trying to create when we're building teams, that sense of family that says, you can all have a bicker at each other if you like, but then you've got to put it down and just get on with it and be, you know, just forget it, just move on. And the, the teams that work best together are exactly like that. They have no concerns with telling people what they think of something. They're happy to question and to challenge if it's necessary to do so. They'll give each other feedback without worrying about upsetting people over overly upsetting people and they'll recognize that anything that's happening within that group is happening for the benefit of each other and not detriment of each other so that sense of family if the the boats that i talk to that have the most um the most effective and most loyal teams and crew have that sense of family you know they still have a little moan at each other every now and again (laughs) they get on with it and they know how to manage it and I think that's that's lovely and the point about millennials is really interesting too um, and the new generation and one of the things that we taught for years and years before before launching Kruglu I started my own training business nearly 10 years ago in corporate and luxury and lifestyle industries and one of the things I've learned in the last few years is that the standard motivational factors that always existed before, all the usual things like money and um, promotions and co- and and having contracts and security, job security. Say, job security, job, job for life, security. you know, it's pensionable not, job. It was no, 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 nobody's really interested in that. In fact, you know, it can be described as as handcuffs or shackles to have to be contracted for more than two years is like horrific for some people or couldn't possibly because also Um, you know they they also have a a desire for greater experience you know your qualifications now it might be shiny but loads of people have qualifications the experience you can show um and and life experience i think there's a greater desire for that in some ways in this generation i think so too and um really interestingly some of the people that I work with are in um, the publishing industry so they're the junior editors and and they're learning the ropes and they're coming up through the ranks Um, and they talk about wanting to have autonomy being a really big motivator for them so being a being the masters of their own destiny is one of the things that they want Um, mastery is another one there's a, a a TED talk called Drive by a man called Dan Pink. And he talks about autonomy, mastery and purpose as being the new motivators for people of the the younger generations. So it's being the master of your own destiny. It's having the space to be, to develop yourself because you want to be the best possible you that you can be. And purpose being about wanting to do something beyond just the norm you know, wanting to have a purpose in life. And the people I talk to certainly seem to subscribe to those three things. They they want to be the masters of their own destiny. They want to be the best they can be at whatever they, cho- they choose to do. And they want to have a purpose in life beyond just doing a job and putting some money in the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels even more relevant when I'm talking to yacht crew and I'm talking to yacht crew who have a plan. You know, they have a plan for their life. And it's really fantastic because I didn't have a plan until I was about 40. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing with myself. And these days, people have a plan. And if they haven't got a plan, they know that they find themselves a coach and they learn how to have a plan. So it's just, it's it's a great new world. Um, it's just about recognising that it's different. So um, to concentrate a little bit more on, on Krugloop, uh how do you guys function how does it how does it but if i'm a captain i mean we're hitting the season now in the med but that Mm. the season goes on all around the world as we know (laughs) continually um yeah but i'm looking i say this because one of the interesting we had a discussion about mental health in the yachting industry and one of our Mm. um one of our guests was a captain um william gold and he said one of the 
most helpful training that he got with all the training and whatever he did going along was he had a, a personal relations training. He, he yes. had a two or three day class and it was looking at how to talk with people, how to deal with people, how to manage people, how to look for warning signs when people weren't right. And, and of all the qualifications he had, and you know, you obviously have to do a lot of training to finally get to your captain's license and whatever. Um, that was one of the most helpful. Yeah. Um, as I said before, this industry has been sparse in those that kind of training. Mm. But in 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 lieu of that, um, if if I'm a captain and I'm I'm looking at the season ahead, um, where do you guys come in and how do you how do you operate? Do you come on board? Do you do you know, distance learning? Do you meet the whole team all at once? Do you? Mm. Um, yes. So you're absolutely right. Interpersonal skills, the ability to communicate one, with one another, the fact that that is not mandatory as part of our development when we're developing career in whatever industry you're in, but I think specifically in superyachting is interesting because Every single thing we do requires us to communicate. And we don't only communicate with words, we communicate with our body language, with our facial expressions, with our behaviours. We communicate in so many different ways. And so to assume that we all know how to do that to best effect is, is quite naive. I certainly didn't. I needed to learn a lot growing up um, about how best to interact with other human beings. Otherwise, I would always have just interacted in my one way, which you know is relevant to my personality, and be missing the mark 75% of the time and wondering why I was winding people up and getting on their nerves and why they were closing their office door on my in my face and you know all of that kind of stuff. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So what we do at Krugloo is what we've been doing um, for a long, long time, but now Crew Glue is just for Super Yacht Crew. So and we have a, a team. Kind of applying the skills that you la- learnt working in stuff, other industries and then applying it yeah. more specifically to the Super Yacht sector. Exactly that. Um, until three and a half years ago, I was working in Southeast Asia for luxury resort company. And um, it was there that I really honed my skills in terms of team building and team development because uh, we were working... Um, with the 0.001% of the world's wealthiest clients in a ultra high-end A-list celebrity resort company. The expectations on us were huge. The hours were long. The conditions were difficult. And we all lived and worked on top of each other. So when I was, um, I came home, um, back to the UK to live again, I was talking to my stepson. And he was asking me about, what I do. I was explaining what I do and and how I work with people so that they can work with each other more effectively, more efficiently, manage people, manage themselves and manage their relationships. And he said, God, super yachting would really benefit from that kind of training. That's not something that we really do. There's bits of it here and there, but we haven't given it much focus. And that's where the seed was sown for Crew Glue. So we did some research and development under the guise of the other business, which still exists. Um, and then Crew Glue, as a as a name, came to me when I was in St. Kitts doing some, um, I was in St. Kitts at an A-Crew event, and I was talking to a chief stewardess about what we were planning for for super yachts and this and the name crew glue popped into my head and I thought some I thought everybody would laugh at it because it sounded silly but actually it says it does exactly what it says on the tin so um, how we operate is we have a team myself and we have three others um, who will come on board usually on board um, sometimes when boats are in refit and before everybody goes on holiday or just as they all come back before they restart the season, um, sometimes in the middle of the season, they'll find themselves with a couple of days gap and they want a bit of a refresher or a bit of a pep talk or a perk up or um, perhaps some of the team have changed. So some crew have left, some new crew have started. Uh, there's all sorts of different ways and means and reasons. And we tend to hear from captains and from heads of departments and sometimes from management companies who will say, 
we'd like to get our boats season ready. Can you go and do some stuff with them? Refit and the team. Always, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. You know, you spend all this time and money making the boat perfect. Mm-hmm. Spend a bit of time on your crew as well. They they deserve it. Um, make sure that everybody's ready to go with and it's fun you know let's not let's not forget that it's also really good fun and you can learn a lot about each other on these um you could have worked with somebody for two years and then still learn something new when you do this when you do these activities and of course you can do them on board without buying somebody in to do it for you and one of the things that we encourage is that if we do come on board we work with the leaders as well so we get the heads of teams together and we say we've done all this great stuff over the last two days here's what you can do to keep it going throughout the season so that it doesn't just get forgotten about Um, sometimes we do half a day sometimes we're on board for five days in a row and we do sometimes bring people off boats i've got an eye a couple of things happening in parma and in south of france um, at the end of this year and next year, which are on shore, and they're sort of open courses that people can come to um, under their own steam when they're off the boat. So lots of different ways and means of accessing the training. Can you, out of interest, it, and this is kind of going back to egos, but can you feed back a little bit? I mean, one of the things that has come up is in some ways the less ego and the less there's a sense of hierarchy. You know, if, if everyone feels like they're on um, not necessarily the equal footing, but a, a fair footing, because everybody's job is important. You know, the, the deckhand, of course, we see the captain as, as being the most important and the chief stew being, you know, in charge of the interior. And mm-hmm. But in essence, I mean, that's why you need a full crew, because everyone's job is important. Yeah. Um, can you feed back a little bit if you see big imbalances that are going to be a challenge or is it through the exercises and stuff that you're trying to weed out those issues as well both is the answer um through the exercises themselves we highlight behaviors which aren't helpful so if we see something happening that isn't helpful or is indicative of ego to use your phrase or or some kind of an issue then we'll use the we'll use the opportunity to explore that not in a way that sort of points a finger at somebody Mm -hmm. and says you're like this like that and that's not okay more about about ironing it out by making the whole crew aware of certain things which you know when when you're all talking about something and there are one or two people in the room who kind of look a bit shifty for a minute because they know that they've been guilty of that behavior themselves in the past I think often that's all that's required certainly I've been there you know people have been talking about unhelpful behaviors and I've sat there and thought oh no I do that all the time oh that's really awful I didn't realize it was so annoying and so you know you can become aware you can become more self-aware and decide to make changes for yourself through that sort of activity but if it's more toxic than that and it requires an intervention, then that would be something that would happen offline. So not in front of a group, for example, but you might have a conversation separately about something if you felt it was really detrimental to the crew health um, in the, you know, in a discreet and professional conversation separately. Okay. Um, and going forward, um where because you guys launched i believe in october of last year we did yes we did um so we launched in antibes in october last year and are you based in antibes are you based in the uk no we're we're based on the south coast of england which is perfect because it's easy to get to everywhere from here we're an hour from the two major airports and in london and we're right on the coast so it's it's a really easy place to get everywhere from which works well for us and um we are we have a we have one of our crew is in parma um and we're hoping to find uh, a team member for the future who will be based in the south of France because I think that makes life easier when we've got people who are um, who are close to where the action's happening. And a lot of the time that's because captains sometimes don't know when they're going to have a spare day until the day before their spare day. 
especially if they're on if they're waiting busy charter just come on or for a charter or you know they're in the middle of refit and they don't know when the auditors are coming in and they don't know when the such and such a thing is going to happen so we need to be able to be responsive and the bigger the team and the more well placed we are the easier that is um and we will continue to grow the team what's wonderful for us is that the industry is growing and even more wonderfully more and more captains and senior crew and crew in general are recognizing the benefit that comes from having this sort of as you put it crew refit I like that (laughs) analogy a lot (laughs) so yeah I think the future is really exciting there are um there are opportunities for for crew to access this kind of development now I think it's been part of the mandatory training in um in the corporate world for a long long time and in luxury hospitality um and it's good to see that change happening in this industry too and giving people that support proactively to enable them to have good time have a good time doing what they love um be able to support themselves and one another and to navigate their way through the relationships on board to deliver the highest quality service they can and let's not forget the importance of safety you know that when things when communication fails that's when safety issues arise Mm -hmm. and that might be psychological safety or it might be actual physical safety but that's when you when you dig deeper in all of those situations it's communication or the lack of that is at the root cause and that's where we come in so we give you the skills to ensure that your communication is not going to be at the root cause of safety issues or service issues further down the line and that you're ultimately you know it 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 just common sense if you have the people on board your boat if they're happier you're going to be getting a better service the smile you get is going to be a genuine smile because they're happy and content you know um we had an interview with uh, a chap who does lots of research and it was called martini time and they did Mm -hmm. some research about 25 to 34 year olds and one of the things um of all values that this generation valued more than any other value in their friendships and and part of the report was actually looking at how there's been a huge decrease in face-to-face friendships how our communication is so much more online the hours i mean we're talking up to five hours just scrolling through social media and stuff and not getting out there and meeting friends and talking. But the biggest value that this generation looked at was trustworthiness. And I think if you can develop trustworthiness, that you can trust people. And I, and I asked the same question of my 18-year-old. Mm. And in some ways, that is that would be one of the things that she would value most highly. Um, is trustworthiness and and I think it goes to all levels it doesn't mean just the person you're sharing your room with that you have someone to you know share your ups and downs but Mm. it's trusting your captain and your captain trusting you not just professionally but personally as well yes Um, trust is absolutely the foundation stone for any high-performing team for any team that is content and performing at a superior level, you will see trust as a foundation stone. You're absolutely right. And we talk about that as part of the crew glue sessions are um, built on a model which is about developing trust so that we can have healthy conflict, which means not fighting with each other, but being feeling safe to yeah. challenge or question or point out something that you feel may be an error or an omission or a safety issue Um, and when you can have healthy conflict then you will all be bought in to what you're trying to achieve together so you then get commitment and accountability so we're not laying blame at each other's feet saying that's not our fault it's the you know it was the stewardess's fault wasn't the stewardess's fault it was the deckhand's fault it was the captain's fault all that stuff is completely pointless wastes everybody's time achieves absolutely nothing so with trust you get healthy conflict commitment accountability and that equals results it's it's really simple because also then if you make a mistake and you're learning 
you know, yeah. everyone's learning. It doesn't exactly. matter even if you're the Should captain, you're still learning, hopefully, that you yes. can fess up and go, oh, I, I messed up on that one. I'll know yeah. for the next time. So you learn from that mistake. You're not trying to, um, I, I think it's true in life anyway for all of us, but, yeah. you know, yeah. it's the being happy to fess up to things because we learn as much from our mistakes as from the things we do right. We really do. <laughs> as we know. <laughs> There's that saying, isn't there? You either win or you learn. So either way, you've definitely achieved something. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of my girls actually has that sweatshirt in some shape yeah, or form. Win or learn. Yeah. I like it. I think it's a really healthy way of looking at things when they go wrong. If you've learned, if you can learn from it, then that's just fine. Um, but if you feel that you're going to be told off or or that your job might be at risk mm. or that you'll be thought less of because you've made a simple human mistake that's a really uncomfortable situation to be in and it would be much better if we didn't put ourselves and mm. other people in that position um, because as you say we learn so much from trying and sometimes failing mm. um, what works and what doesn't and human you know if people are doing their best efforts um yeah really that that's as much as you can ask them to do that's know? right and of course there's that um, amazing skill that you you know you hear about all the time when you talk about managing people which is the ability to give really good feedback you know proper feedback mm. and that that isn't always about telling people off sometimes or giving them just positives because that's yeah, not helpful exactly. either sometimes you know? sure sometimes you're adjusting things so that they're better and sometimes it's about valuing somebody's contribution and not just going high five good job but actually telling them what they did that was good and why it was good and and helping them to understand where their where their performance is really good and, and what you appreciate about them um and I know that there are lots of people when I talk about this stuff that roll their eyes and say oh it's all soft and fluffy it's all so soft and fluffy it's not it's human interaction it's what we do mm -hmm. and well Going back to the younger generation, it mm. you know, this is one of the, oh, they've lived in a world that they do everything right and they get a prize for coming up last. <laughs> they've also lived in a world where their parents' generation have done their best to amend and probably swung too far, but mm. to try and give them the positive reinforcement because they were pretty sure that the negative reinforcement they got didn't always do them serve them well so mm. serve them well i think somewhere it's got to swing back to the middle that it doesn't yeah. have to always be positive it can be you know this is what happened today i, I think you can do it better next time mm -hmm. it, it doesn't have to be positive but that's why we call it constructive criticism because yeah. it doesn't feel like criticism then it feels like you know ah okay i messed up but i'm i'm not going to be holding the blame i'm not shamed into it i'm not losing my job it's just something i'm going to do better next time that's absolutely right and actually some of my biggest leaps in terms of my own personal development have been the result of somebody telling me what i could do better or what i could do differently and it, and it's never comfortable no. i don't i don't receive it with a smile on my face I, but i receive it and i go away and think about it and i change my you know change my behavior as a result of it and i think the concept that you can give somebody some developmental feedback which is about making something better um and that they're not going to be smarting from it a little bit is is quite it's unrealistic but remember that it's better that you tell them that they need to do something better or differently than they find out when they get the sack or when they get told off by the boss or when the owner comes on and says, I don't want that person in my career anymore. Or, you know, better that you take responsibility for helping them to see where they can improve than leave them to be the victim of their own behaviour because they didn't know any better because nobody never told them. And that's the other thing about crew on board. Um, in, in some ways, it's a higher risk job. Do you know if yeah. you if you really don't understand your safety training properly if you didn't brush up well enough on your first aid that mm. you you know your emergencies on board are in some ways a lot more challenging because you don't have someone next door you can be right out at sea yeah the the contingencies of what can go wrong can be steeper than in other industries 
So, you know, having very well-trained crew that know what they're doing and are working to their utmost is ultimately what you want. Absolutely. That's exactly it. And that incorporates all aspects of the job, the technical skill, the service level, the communication skill, the ability to work well with others, all of those are fundamental. And whilst it's mandatory in the maritime industry to undertake certain training, it tends to be the technical stuff and the service related stuff. And I would love to see a change that says, and we also want to make the ability to, um, you know, the interpersonal skills and the ability to communicate well with one another, part of the mandatory training that exists within that industry. Mm -hmm. It would protect the crew in so many ways when it comes to their own emotional well-being and their healthy self stuff, um, how to look after yourself and how to look after each other, um, being part of that process when it's such a unique environment feels like common sense to me and perhaps you know in time we'll see that shift i think though it needs to start with people like you where we value that as being an important an important part and people can see the difference it makes you know yeah having having a a crew that have stuck together over two years is going to bring you a very different dynamic to having a crew where you've had and I've heard this back from crew, you know, we had so many changeovers, we had like 15 people rotate through the yacht in a year. I mean, that alone means you don't know who you're getting until they come in, you don't have the chance of training them up to be the level they need to be. Mm-hmm. And all the dynamics are being thrown every time somebody leaves and come, comes yeah. back in. On top of the fact that looking at statistics from Eiswan, um, it's a slightly, not even slightly, I mean, half of people will say they are stressed and anxious in their jobs. Mm. I don't know how that compares if you compare it to the banking industry, but it certainly is is high in statistics. Um, So if you can achieve a a team that are, you know, happy together and well-functioning, then you're going to have a happy boat. You're going to have a happy boat. You're going to have happy owners, happy guests, happy captain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately, captains now have such enormous responsibility. Um, they're not just driving a boat. By any stretch of the imagination, they've got all sorts of things to think about, budgets and recruiting and considering the needs of their crew and looking after the owner and looking after the guests. Um, and if their crew are working well together and they're, self, they're sort of self-propelling um, and self-managed, that takes a lot of that responsibility for having to constantly actively manage them mm-hmm. um, away from the captain. So the crew are, uh, become more self-reliant, self-sufficient and independent. And it's a win-win situation for all. Um, so I think there are lots of there are now lots of captains that recognise that and are proactive about giving people the opportunity to have this sort of development as part of the process. Um and it's those captains who see the great results that will then, I think, help us to push for the change in the industry. Because more and more now I'm reading articles and hearing um, hearing interviews with captains who understand this and are sharing their examples and talking about the importance of interpersonal skills and navigating relationships within the industry, which is fantastically encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um because and it's the next two or three days. I mean, we're, yeah. we're not talking oh, that they've tiny, got two weeks. It's, it, it's no, two no, or three no, days in their whole season or before yeah. their season or after their season. Exactly. That's going to be exactly. just trying to build that. So mm. it's, um, it's a particularly nice thing to do just before you're heading out into the, the season ahead to get everybody to a place where they've got a plan. They know they've got their plan. They all know it. They get to know each other on another level. Um, they make some agreements about how they're going to live and work together moving forward. And um, and they have a bit of fun. And then what tends to happen is they go into that first season just buoyed up and full of excitement and enthusiasm for what's ahead. And they get incredible results and feedback from their charter guests and their owners as a result of that. And bigger tips. I would, th- funny, that was in the back of my head. I'm thinking I worked a lot of summers as a waitress, as a student. And you know what? When you're charming and happy and you serve yeah, people well, they tend yeah. to tip you more. 
Uh, it's exactly. got to be equivocal in the it's yachting industry. So true. I mean, I'd love to be able to claim a percentage increase in tips, but we haven't <laughs> ever managed to do the. <laughs> we've never managed to do the maths for that. But if your interpersonal skills with each other are better, as a consequence, your interpersonal skills with your guests are going to be better. And if you understand what makes people tick and how to read body language and what might be coming up without having to ask the question, if you've got that intuitive service ethic that comes from really understanding how people work and how what they want, how can that not give you a better result in terms of the service that you offer mm-hmm. outside of, you know, above above decks when you're yeah. when you're dealing with guests? But I mean it makes sense. If if you can read the guests well and realize, you know, the body language of impatience yeah, or exactly. Um, exactly you know oh, how to manage story. them better you just know made my hair curl about not recognizing really obvious body language and and you know not making the appropriate uh, change in terms of behavior and communication and, and 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 I'm sort of laughing about it now but the reality is if I was 21 and I had never learned any of this stuff I would be making those mistakes mm. you know in fact I did make those mistakes yeah, so we can't assume that everybody knows how to interact with one another. It's a it's a skill that we learn like any other, and um, and to be uh, and to pretend that it doesn't isn't uh, a skill that we learn like any other is naive, quite honestly. Because, and also, um, can I just say, I've, I've just even if you leave the yachting industry, it's a long term skill. This yes, is going to be helpful. Absolutely. This is going to be helpful when you have children and teenagers. <laughs> And roommates and parents visiting yeah, and other colleagues on your day job. Absolutely true. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. We don't so, all get the chance. So No, no, no. That's captain's listening lovely. there. Life skills for yeah. your whole crew. <laughs> <laughs> Courtesy of Sarah Ballinger. <laughs> yes. Oh, so, well, uh, we are coming up to the top of the hour. It fantastic. always flies by and I knew it would with you, Sarah. But um, it has been so lovely to catch up today. Um, we and hear a little bit more. I mean, Kruglu makes sense. It, it made sense of what you did before I even read your website. So well done on name, <laughs> can I just say. I think I that was spot on. Um, but we'd love Great. to hear more about it and hear stories back. So we will stay in touch with you. And yes, a you. great season ahead for you all. Thank you very much. If people want to get in contact, it's going to be pretty obvious. You just go to Kruglu.com and you are on all social media outlets, I believe, as well. Absolutely. Just look for Kruglu, crew-glue.com. And our email address is ahoy at crew-glue.com. Love to hear from you, um, whether you want to do something just before the season starts or at the end of the season before the next. Just give us a call. Happy to chat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lovely talking to you. You too. You are listening to Super Yacht Radio.